0: So tune in to this next episode with Jenea. Janea is from America and she moved to China a few years ago. So although she's rooted in America, she has found that she has bloomed everywhere else in the world. She's traveled to so many different countries. And as an educator from America, she's enjoyed teaching abroad, but she's also learned so much about herself living abroad. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guest and host will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. right. Hello, welcome listeners. Welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast, a podcast for current expats to talk about what it's like to live abroad, the struggles, the joys. And this is also a podcast for future expats to gain inspiration, encouragement, to maybe take that leap, that that, that risk, that opportunity to maybe have an adventure into something unknown and try something different and, and see what your life might be like. Like once you've had that experience. So today I'm pleased to have here Jenea. Oh my goodness, Janaea! I'm so excited to interview you because I'm here in China because I became an expat after meeting you in America at a women of color podcasting event. So hello, Janaea. how are you? I'm great. But yeah, it was a women of color podcasting event. And, and I remember I was just like, you know, I was like, oh my God, you're so cool. Cause you already, you already had your podcast. I think it was, or you said you were starting your podcast, something like that. Yeah. And I was just Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, you're like, I can be such a dork like that when I meet someone and I just think that they're so cool. And I'm like, Hey, let's keep in touch. And you're like, and you're like, okay, yeah, let's do so on Facebook. Cause I'm leaving, I'm moving to China in 12 days. I was like, what? (laughs) And I said, why are you leaving America? Why are you going to China? And you said, you know, cost of living is cheaper, you know, compared to the salary that I'm going to be making there. Like, and then you said, you know, you were going to be able to travel and, um, you said, you know, just have like a different experience. And I was just like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. All right. Um, sure. Yeah. And, and I followed, <laughs> and I was just like, cause I mean, I had, I had never heard anyone say that they're moving to China. Like the only, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't mind, you know, showing my ignorance and saying, I really didn't know much about China. I, you know, knew very few things. And so I was like, okay, all right. Um, so I followed you on Facebook from an October to an April. So Mm -hmm. that was six months. And then in that April, that was the end of April when I said, oh, OK, uh, well, I like what you're doing. I like that. I see that you've been to Seoul. You've been to Jakarta. You've been to the Great Wall. Mm-hmm. And these were the things that I remember, like off the top of my head right now. And yeah. out of the many places you did travel when when obviously we could travel more freely and and then I messaged you and I was like, "Um, so how do I get over there? And then you sent me yeah. like three different links to like training centers. And the top one was Disney English. And you were like, well, if you like children, you know, you could go there. And, you know, at the time I was like, oh, okay. well, I'll try it because, you know, they're connected with Disney. So Disney at one time did have a training center. And, yes, I did get hired by them and did work for them for like almost a year mm-hmm. before then they went under due to COVID. And then I moved to yeah. Shanghai from Beijing. So, you know, really it was thanks to you that I came over. Cause I had oh. always regretted dreaded not studying abroad. And then now this is my opportunity to obviously like be a student of life abroad. So enough with me saying that. So just wanted to say to everyone, like, you know, Hey, here was my inspiration. So I'm so happy oh to be able goodness. to interview you.
1: Oh my gosh, I, I, you know, like. You know, I live in a tiny palace and I feel like, I, you know, because of my drum, you know, like living here in China with like half a bajillion people, like nobody knows me. And I'm like, I promise I'm in PAPS school, but I have no, I have no evidence. And so like, I'm so grateful that like something triggered and then you decided to make the leap. That's like the, literally the whole reason why I do what I do is so that other people can do what they do to live their best life. So yeah, yeah. I'm not a cry. But if I were, I would cry. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs>
0: so, you know, to everyone, you know, obviously you still live in China. And um, like where specifically in China do. do you live?
1: And how long have you lived in that, you know, place? Yeah. So I moved to China in October of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the I don't know, three years and three months or something like this into mm-hmm. my uh journey here. Mm-hmm. I have lived in the same city the whole time. So I'm in Shenzhen, which is across the street from Hong Kong. Uh, mm-hmm. But the border's closed. So I can't go play and have fun in Hong Kong. It's pretty depressing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I live with Chinese people. Mm-hmm. Like I live with the locals. I do not see foreigners. I am here eating, living, doing just like the locals. And I feel like that's really important to explain with my narrative of yeah. what China has been like for me. Um, yeah. Is because I am I, I live a local life, yes, yeah. in China. Yeah. Jinjin Jin, in the South and it's hot okay. all the time.
0: Where did you live before? Like, like where are you originally from? So, you know, obviously the listeners know, you know, like we met in America, but like, you know, we're in America we and and how long did you live there? Like, you know, I'm assuming like all your life, but like what, what's, what's that amount of time? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So I'm a black American, my father's military. So I grew up in the South in Georgia and Kentucky Mm -hmm. But my roots and my family are from Denver. And so after I finished my doctorate degree in Kentucky, I decided to, I was like, I could either be poor in Kentucky (laughs) or poor in Denver. And so I decided to be poor in Denver. Mm. And so I moved there. And so before China, I was in Denver for four years, living the white hipster life, which was great. So much kale salad. And then I moved over here to China Mm -hmm. from Denver. Yeah. And I've been here ever since. Okay, cool. And yeah. so,
0: what prompted the move to China? Like, I mean, of all places, you know, you'd mentioned you'd finished your doctorate. So, you know, really, you know, every time like I look online for like jobs overseas, you know, like, gosh, a doctorate really would have taken you to so many places. So, like, what China, like, of all
1: places? Yeah. So, it's a mix of a lot of things. One, um, I earned my doctorate when I was 26. And so mm-hmm. I was super young and like just wet behind the ears. And so nobody wanted to hire me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still in the middle like, of getting work experience mm-hmm. um, so that my doctorate degree matches my, my work kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had taught at the university part-time for several years and then I moved to Denver and I taught little kids like hard to love children and it was just not for me. Mm-hmm. I was not I'm a great teacher but that demographic I do not work well with. Mm-hmm. And I was not good at my job and I had a precious little child who who like I took her chips away in math class and she has a rough life and I get it. Mm-hmm. And I took her chips away in math class and she cussed me out. She cursed out my hairline, my future children, my ancestors, oh. my, my house. She just went to town. Sweet. And I looked at her and she did this every day. But that one day I looked at her and I was like, I don't have to do this anymore. So mm. I left and I went home and I Googled how to leave America and still make money. Mm. And all these jobs for teaching English in China showed up. And I was like, I got no man. <laughs> I got no kid. <laughs> yeah, I could do this. Yeah. And then the other thing is, um, I am a, uh, Trump expat. I told mm-hmm. everyone if he gets in office, I'm out because yeah. I knew that I, if I did not feel safe, seen or valued and appreciated in my home country, if he were in office, not because of him, but because there were so many people who thought he was a good idea mm-hmm. and still think he is. Yeah. The third reason I left, um, is I asked myself two questions, I asked because I was in a in a lull and career wise, and just all the things. And I asked myself if I could do whatever I loved to do. What would those things be? And those for me were teaching and traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my second question was, what would happen if I put all of my time, attention, and resources into doing those two things only, mm-hmm. what would happen? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, am I willing to do that? I guess that's two and a half questions. And my answer was teaching and traveling. And yes, I am willing, and I'm going to try it and see. And so I got certified in Bulgaria. I didn't know where Bulgaria was. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, got, I did that in the summer. I traveled uh, Europe uh, after saving for two years. Mm-hmm. And then I, waited, I came back home I waited for my visa, which is in another couple months. And then I left with a one-way ticket to China. So that's what happened. That's how I got here.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, if you're enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in are we home yet podcast and Twitter by typing in are we home yet pod where we share resources you can interact with our guest and you have a chance to tell your story as a former current or future expat and of course be a part of our community the social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the are we home yet podcast.com website as well okay back to the show And so what is your current career and, you know, um, is that the only thing that you do there for, you know, your profession? Like, do you do anything else? Is this, is this a career that you plan to stick with or, or would you like to like transition into anything else?
1: This is my 14th year. I think it's 13, 14. I don't know of teaching. So I am a teacher, Mm -hmm. my core like this is Mm -hmm. like generationally this is what we do Mm -hmm. and it's more than a job to me so i change hearts and minds and people through english it's not just teaching english to me Mm -hmm. so i'm giving them keys for their survival in other places and i'm teaching them about black folks and all the things that they're going to encounter whenever they go abroad Mm -hmm. um And so I teach high school now. Uh, That's my legal visa job. And then I also teach a lot of private students. And I have my own training center here. I have about 35 students. And I teach them myself. So it's me and my assistant. And I teach about 35 to 40 hours a week, including all of that. Um, And I I purchased the training center. It was a complete shit show dumpster fire. Um, and <laughs> my oh my gosh, it was just awful. Mm-hmm. But now it's it's lucrative. And I'm grateful because it was not at the beginning. Yes, I will stay teaching. Mm-hmm. But I have been teaching for 13 and a half years and I'm tired. So I am transitioning into curriculum development with my new special project um, mm-hmm. that I'm going to be coupling with my sabbatical Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll be focusing on bringing the world to every child's classroom and home. And so that's my next thing. And, but it's still education based, always and forever.
0: Wow, Wow, there's a lot going on there. So I mean, the training here. Um, you know, I I once worked at a training center, like I said, it was Disney English, you know, back when I lived in Beijing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, th- there's like a lot of moving parts for the training center. So like, what, what made you decide to like purchase a training center? And, and, you know, how, so
1: how did you get so many students like 35? Like, that's, that's incredible. You know, I don't really think about it. Because when I tell you, It was a complete dumpster fire at the beginning. (laughs) I was so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And like, I paid a ton of money. The guy that I purchased it from lied to me and lied Mm -hmm. to the parents. I was, like, I purchased it for an instant, like basically my entire savings account. And Mm -hmm. then he escaped Mm -hmm. and didn't like tell me the rule. Like he owed so many people things and then everyone's coming to me with, where's my money? Where's my class? I was like, I don't know. It was awful. But then I can now say that I flipped a failing business into something lucrative in 18 months in a foreign country where I am completely illiterate. And so now I am proud of what I do, but like at the beginning, I was like, Oh God, this is a really bad idea. Mm -hmm. Um, but I couldn't get out of it. So like somebody was like, Hey, I'm moving. And I, I want, like, I have some students he lied about the number and then I didn't know what questions to ask to see that he was lying. This mm-hmm. is when I actually like had faith in people because now I don't trust yeah. nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so I purchased it and then I started working there. And that's how I was able to pay off my student loans. I remember looking at the message and I was like, you know, I've, I've wanted to be in charge of a school before that was on my list of things to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this sounds like an opportunity that I could handle
0: mm-hmm.
1: come what may Let's see what happens. And so I jumped for it and um, it was rough. And like, as soon as like a black person took over the school, uh, 90% of the students left. And so I was down to oh, seven mm-hmm. and I built, we built it from seven to 35 in eight, oh. 18 months. And um, we now have a great reputation. Mm-hmm. Students are happy. My assistant's happy. Parents are happy. Everything is great but it was less than pleasant and extremely stressful but yeah so nice. i teach in my day job and then i teach it there at night and that's how i that's how i roll here in china
0: mm-hmm. wow that that's that's really really amazing Okay. So, so yeah, I mean, you know, the, the fact that like you started a business in a place, like, were you interested in being an entrepreneur when you were back in America? Like, did did you have a business back in America? Cause I mean, you know, I, I don't remember like us really talking about that before, so I don't know. So, I mean, was that the case or was it just that, Hey, look, I'm here and, and I'm just, I'm going to do, just do this.
1: Um a lot of things in my life have been like a, let's try it and see. Mm-hmm. Um but all of them align with my like life purpose. So I am not a natural entrepreneur mind. Like I'm an academic through and through. Like I'm extremely smart.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I have I can't do simple things at all. Like it's really hard for me to like do daily tasks, but mm-hmm. I I'm just a big brain. That's what I am and that's who I am. Mm-hmm. So like being an entrepreneur it makes money is not something natural that comes to me. Um, so when you asked me like, did I plan to have a business abroad or ever? No, I didn't. But what I did know is like I can teach and I'm a fantastic teacher. And I know that when I'm in charge of, of teaching, my kids, my students learn. And the best way for me to leverage my ability with my goal of whatever is By being in charge, and so that means I must have the school. Like that's it made sense. That's why I purchased the school and blah blah blah. Yeah, so I think that like it's important to when you are faced with an option to make sure that it aligns with your purpose, and then come what may with all the dumpster fires that will happen when you take big leaps like that, you're like, well, this is really bad, but it aligns with my purpose, and it it will eventually work, but it takes a lot of time and tenacity. And yeah, Mm -hmm. so that's what I did. And I think now that I have run one center here in China, I can do this anywhere that I go. I can uh-huh. I can, and probably always will have a school somewhere, whether it's five kids or a hundred, I don't care. But like uh-huh. my people around me will learn uh-huh. English because this is what I know. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: And so after like, you know, meeting this person, purchasing the training center, and you mentioned that it's you and your assistant, like, you know, what, but where did you go for, you know, like resources in terms of like, you know, I, I don't know, I, I've never had a business before, but I'm assuming you have to do certain business functions, documents, like, like. How, mm-hmm. how did, like, who did you seek out? Like, how did you find someone who you could say, like, you know, hey, yeah, you be my assistant and, and, you know, we'll do this together. We'll march forward and, you know, help me with these documents that I need yeah. to do in Mandarin. Like, how did you mm-hmm. find someone?
1: Like, where, where did you go for resources? So, when I purchased the business, the person gave me two contacts on WeChat and WeChat is just basically a fun. And so, one of them was, he was like, you got to talk to Barry. Barry knows everything. And I, and Barry's like this white guy from America mm-hmm. and Barry has been running training centers, like on the small scale for years. And he mm-hmm. had at one time like 12 or 14. So mm-hmm. this is what he does. Mm-hmm. And he knew everything. And the second thing is I acquired with the purchase of my business, the assistant that was with the old owner and the person that i purchased the business from was like whatever you do do not get rid of amy make sure amy is happy and she stays with you and you'll be fine (laughs) and i was like all right amy and then when i purchased the business she was like what the what what is what is happening uh i quit and i was like look i need for you to not quit i know and i was looking at the relationship that amy had with the past owner and i was like i don't think that was a good relationship and i later found out that it was horrible and they treated her awfully
0: Wow! but
1: I was like look I don't know what I'm doing but I promise you I will be a good boss and I'm an ethical person I'm kind Mm -hmm. and I will treat you well I Mm -hmm. promise Mm -hmm. and she was like oh and I was like look I want you to give me like three months or six months Mm -hmm. just just try and -hmm. you have to trust me I promise and she was like (gasps) okay, I'll try. And she stayed with me. And then she realized that I did have morals and that I, I was wh- who I said I would be and am. And she was like, oh, I can trust you. And I was like, absolutely. I told you that you can. And she's been my ride or die this whole mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. so whenever I need to go to the tax office, to the landlord, to the person, Amy, I need you to go talk to these people. If I need somebody to go yell at somebody for me, to buy something <laughs> on Talbot for me, it's <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Amy, come help me buy these shoes. I need this. Go talk. She, and she has been phenomenal. And I honestly would not have been able to survive China without Amy. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful for her. Oh, yeah. And she's just she's 23. She's feisty and she is, oh. you know, she yells at the kids, she talks to the parents, she does all the things. She is brilliant and she speaks great English, is perfect English, not perfect but she's great. And then yeah. she's perfect in Chinese and she knows all the things and she's been wonderful. And so mm-hmm. I would not have been able to make it without mm-hmm. having a support system. Um yeah. So that's how I do it. And it's me and Amy, and we okay. slay all the dragons together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, that that definitely is lovely. Okay, so, you know, you've yeah. been there a while, you have a business there, mm-hmm. Um, you know, so the next question is, what is your definition of home? And do you feel you've been able to create a sense of home in China? And if, you know, you left China and went
1: somewhere else, what's lacking that you would need right. in the next place to create a home? Mm. China is definitely not home. You know, like I live in a tiny palace. I think it's like twelve square meters, or like I don't know what that is, like a hundred square feet. It's so small, but I love my tiny palace. So wherever my blanket is, is where home is. I spend a lot of time in and around my blanket, and I think about it all the time because that's my safe space. Okay. (laughs) Um, But it's hard. It's extremely difficult right now to define what and where home is because Mm -hmm. I am an academic. um, I I am still deeply connected to what's happening in my home country of America, mm-hmm. um, and right now, because of whiteness and all of the malarkey and mm-hmm. all of the and whiteness being the the social structures of white people have being at the top
0: mm-hmm. and
1: them their needs and being priority mm-hmm. and not really thinking about others. That's whiteness, not white people. I want to be very yeah. clear about that. Okay. I got white friends, but like, it's it's the system that I'm talking about. Yeah. The system that pushes um, people of color, the global majority away and into the recesses of darkness. But I cannot support what's happening In America, like every time I get on Facebook and Instagram, there is some foolishness. It's just like, what is happening? And I grew up in white evangelical spaces. So, like Mm -hmm. the religious right, I grew up around them and in their religious spaces. And as a Black person, like these are people that I know who Mm -hmm. are saying this stuff. Mm -hmm. And they know me, they know my family, and their cognitive dissonance is astounding to me. And I cannot like, I don't connect with my home anymore. Mm -hmm. And that is devastating to me. Mm -hmm. So China is not home because of foolishness here with Mm racism. My home where I was born does not feel like home. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I know where I'm rooted, which is America. And -hmm. then I bloom other places. But as far as the word home, I can't answer that right now. Yeah. Um, I can't. And and for that it makes me sad it really does mm-hmm. i don't feel necessarily homeless mm-hmm. but i know that like where i am now is is fine and then where i will be later is fine but i will choose my next place that i build my tiny home my tiny palace mm-hmm. will be in a place that likes black people mm-hmm. and right now america does not like black people china does not like black people mm-hmm. so i don't want to be in either of those two places long term Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right, well I can understand that mm-hmm. definitely. All right. So, let me just ask a few more questions. Um so do you remember like what was the visa process like to get you over here to China?
1: The visa process um is different than it is now. I came over here before COVID and so basically as long as you are breathing and have a college degree, you <laughs> yeah. can you can teach. <laughs> in China as also you I don't think you can have a felony but mm-hmm. I applied through a, an agent and an agent is basically just a, a liaison between countries and it's very important that you do get one because if you miss something or they don't like the way you write then they can definitely cancel it so agents know how to um get through faster the bureaucracy and all of that and talk to both countries because that's their job um my agent, I think cost like 400 US dollars to um, copy all the things, apply or make my application. And then it went to the embassy and then it had to go through three different offices. I had to get signatures and blah, blah, blah. Um, once all of that was done, then the US side was ready to go. And then I had to finish the visa process when I got here to China and that took about a month or so. And then I, I got all the stickers that I needed in my passport. And I was a legal person to work here in China. So lots and lots of steps and you definitely need to get help in order to do it. Um, and definitely, like, uh, it takes time. So mine, I think, was a total of six weeks on the American side and four weeks on the China side. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, like, what's what's your day-to-day like? You know, Monday through Friday might be different from the weekend. Morning might be different from the
1: evenings. <sighs> I work all the time, so I don't do well in the mornings. Like I'm not a nice person. I don't like <laughs> people in the mornings, and so my job, my job and my day starts at about twelve or one o'clock, and then I work until about nine nine thirty p.m. Um, as of right now, I do teach something, at least one class every day, which mm-hmm. is not my favorite schedule, but also many so. Mm -hmm. Um, like Sunday, I have a two hour day. Um, most of my days I'm out of the house at 1230. And then I come back after the gym at about 1130. So it's a long day, but also I get the Chinese nap in the middle of the day, which is wonderful. Um, yeah, so my weekends are Saturday is my hell day. So, uh, if all of my classes are, um, happening, it, my day starts at 8 a.m. and my job is almost an hour away and then uh, my last class is ends at 8 p.m. and then I have about two and a half hours worth of breaks dispersed throughout but it is not pleasant um but you got to do what you got to do when you're here I came to China to work and to make money um and so I don't that's what I do yeah um My town is also not a play town. So everyone is working a lot all the time. So you have company and misery. Um, But uh, yeah, other folks play. I don't, I don't like to. Um, Yeah. So teach all the time. Then I go to sleep and I go to the gym or I go running um, and I daydream and then I cook food, eat, poop, sleep, and then go back to work. Like that's what I do. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. so do you ever have the opportunity to meet other expats and, um, you know, like just enjoy interaction among, you know, people from Western culture then?
1: Uh, Not much. So my closest friend is my neighbor right now. Her name is Rita and we're the closest friends now, which is a blessing for sure. Um, and so I often like eat with her, like we eat together. We discuss all the ma- malarkey that happens during the day. Yeah. And so it's wonderful. And she's also a foreigner. She's from Canada, Morocco. I live where there's only Chinese people. So I rarely ever see foreigners or anyone besides locals. And I kind of did that on purpose because mm-hmm. where locals live, it's cheaper. Also, like, I didn't come to China in order to be around Americans. Like, the whole reason I left America was to leave Americans. Mm -hmm. So I don't spend time with people from my home country. And where the foreigners are, it's extremely expensive. Extremely expensive. Like, New York prices. And I'm not about that life. So I live with the locals. I shop with the locals. And I have a couple friends. But that's about it. I keep my circle very small. Because all of us are working all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So, you know, on occasion, like if you have met any expats, you know, have you, you know, experienced them to like leave and go back home, like in, in all the time that you've been here? And, and if you've experienced that, what, what has that been like, you know, has that felt like a loss or has that felt like just kind of the, the process of being an expat, like the nature of, you know, living
1: like a, a transient life? In research, expats, well, like, we, we move. We're transient people mm-hmm. because that's that's just kind of the, it's the rules of the game. Another one of my close, close, close friends just moved a couple weeks ago. And when she moved, I was legit sad. Like, mm-hmm. like what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to go eat with? Like, we both, like, are kind of people-averse. And so we <sighs> had that as, like, our sharing moment. Like, we could mm-hmm. talk about how much we don't like humanity while we go eat vegan pizza together. It was wonderful. But... I have my close friend that's my neighbor. I have a couple of coworkers that I'm not the biggest fan of, but, you know, whatever. And then with COVID, everybody left within, like, two weeks period of time. And so that was really hard for me. On the other side, like, I didn't come here in order to be super social um, because I had a lot of, like, inner work to do and a lot of healing and grieving to do. So I needed to spend significant time by myself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I've adopted that lifestyle of solitude which I prefer now but my friends are gone like there's nobody in the town where I am like very 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 few foreigners it's sad over here it's it legit is sad and I think about it often but you know I'm not quite ready to leave yet I have a couple more goals to meet before I am ready to go and I think like you know feeling the feelings of sadness helps to pass it along instead of just fighting it or trying to like find fake friends. Like, you know, the people that you need will be in your life um, for however long you need them to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then life keeps going. And so I don't know that stupid saying about the only constant thing is change or whatever they said, that's kind of like what I'm, where I'm at right now when it comes to people and building relationships. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so in America, you had made friends. And what's that been like? You know, leaving them having like a different plan or path for yourself than, than maybe your friends had had for themselves. Did you keep in touch? Did you keep a connection? Or, you know, did, did friendships kind of fall apart because, you know, you're doing something drastically different from like what right. many people your, your age might be doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um. So I'm in my 30s and things start to really make sense in your 30s. Um, and what I've gathered is like people will come and go, number one, and two, um, you will outgrow relationships. And so mm-hmm. I have to find people in my life who are making big steps, whether they are back home or whether they're abroad. Um, And so the folks that are in my life are those who are like change makers and folks that are taking big risks and are willing to drop everything to, to follow their vision, developing big visions that seem almost insurmountable. And those are the friends that I check in with a lot. And a lot being like my twice a month people, like we have good, solid heart to heart conversations on Zoom, FaceTime, Skype regularly and that's extremely important for me especially since like I'm a hermit over here and most of my local friends are gone also like there's a lot of people who are still like you know I just don't understand I can't you know the out of sight out of mind I Mm -hmm. didn't share my phone number with a lot of people when I left and I was Mm -hmm. like if people want to find me and they want to communicate they will ask and be like hey I want to keep in touch Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the hardest things that I've gathered over literally like the past 10 years with three years of those being abroad is how few people actually were like, want, of their own volition, were like, hey, I want to keep in touch. And that was very telling of the quality of relationships that I thought I had had. Mm-hmm. The relationships that I do have now are my ride or for so like probably the rest of my life. And I'm super grateful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're folks that are abroad or have been abroad and also those who are at home, but are doing big things in their life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I would say the same for myself. Yeah. There's really just a few people who, you know, are still constantly in touch with me from America and checking in and, you know, letting me know, like how they're doing and, you know, still very happy for me and still can't wait to come see me when, you know, things have changed in, in the world. Or can't wait for, you know, us to meet up somewhere. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I do feel that like me choosing this path definitely changed the dynamics of of mm-hmm. what I thought were friendships, because yeah, I mean, I chose to do something d- very different you know, and, and, and I'm older than you. And then, you know, at this point, you know, lots of people would have a mortgage, a car, they're raising children, you know, and I'm not doing any of those things. There's less uh, in common, you know, I would say with uh, friends that I had had in America, definitely. So then now let's kind of switch gears. Now, you know, let me ask you about like the job hunting process and job security. So like, you know, finding a job, you know, when you were in America must have been a different process than when you came to China. Like when you've, since you've been in China, what has been the job hunting process in China? And do you feel like job security is more of a thing now? Like it's more available now that, you know, kind of like, um, how can I put this? Like, because there there are less foreigners here. There are less people to teach here. So do you feel mm. like it's more job security now? Or do you feel that it's, you know, just kind of the same? It's just still kind of up in the air, like
1: unsure? China, everything is up in the air. Like things change <laughs> daily. <laughs> and so there's, there is no security anywhere. Companies close. The crazy thing that, like, I've been an educator, a teacher in various capacities for fourteen years now, so mm-hmm. I'm very good at my job. And I think one of the most terrifying and enraging things is your job performance rating is based on if a four year old gets a sticker or not. Like, it's insane. <laughs> and like, parents will be like, "We don't like her," and they don't. And then you fight. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And so the on the flip side if you are an English speaker, native English speaker, you can get a job anywhere uh, yeah. around the world and in China. Like you have to literally not be dead, preferably blue eyes, and then like give kids stickers and talk in English and you have a job. Like it's, it's fine. The job market has changed significantly um, since I've been here. Like I, Came here on a gig and then that gig blew up and there were lawsuits and blah, blah, blah. Like it was dramatic. And now I'm in a very stable position at a public high school and I'll stay here until I leave because I like it and I like the kids and I like my work. Mm -hmm. But also the market is changing in, in China. Like because of the increased nationalism here, the people are focused on like what China can do for Chinese people rather than what like using the foreign assets to increase their their domination in the world, whatever it is. And so that is directly connected to job availability for foreigners in that there is stability within the industry for now, not forever because nothing is forever. So then, you know, what do you think about
0: your quality of life? Do you feel that there has been a difference in, you know, you living here, you know, especially the past few years during COVID, you know, where in America, things things have not been as great as they were in the past in terms of, you know, job stability, incomes. So do you feel that there, there's been a difference in your quality of life living here in terms of, you know, not just that, your job stability and your income, but say like also time or peace of mind or, I don't know, creativity or, you know, and Mm -hmm. anything, anything at all? Like, do you think that there has been a difference?
1: Absolutely. I do want to be clear that being Black in China is incredibly difficult. And also, I'm dark-skinned. And so, like, the staring and the running, like, all the malarkey that happens daily, it's challenging. And also, I would rather deal with this type of racism and discrimination to what I was dealing with at home, which is like the silent, you know, folks of whiteness who are like nice to your face, but then they're going to inflict policies and support policies that like don't get me hired or don't get me paid as well as as I could be. And also, um, I did not come here to play or to club like i don't like loud places i'm very 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 sensory sensitive and so i don't do well with noise which is china is not a great place for, for me in that regard because it's just loud i came here to disappear and to work on myself and i've been able to do that also i've just paid off all of my student loans a couple months ago and i'm thrilled about that i've never been out of debt in my entire life. And so now I am completely, and I can give no, I can give credit to no one or no other entity except for China for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will, in my future lineage, will be indebted almost to China because um, I was able to achieve financial stability here. And that directly connects with my quality of life. I eat local, I eat the noodles, I eat the rice, I. I live a very Chinese life. I don't speak the language, but I drink the tea. I do everything. And that's the life that I wanted and I had planned when I left the USA. So I am grateful for my quality of life. I live in a tiny, tiny apartment. I'm a minimalist. I'm able to wear my five pairs of pants and nobody laughs or does anything crazy. I could wear my hair however I want. And I absolutely love it. Um, I sleep at night well. Uh, This summer, I used to do lots of long runs, like 10 or, you know, 8 to 12K. And I would do them at 1 a.m., just run it outside, wherever. I could do that with loud earphones and not have a care in the world about my safety because Mm. it's China. Like, you're not going to get hurt unless, like, you're extremely stupid and you're, like, really trying to get in trouble. Mm. And that's completely different than where I grew up. You know, my skin is different because, like, And my breathing is different because I live in a massive city with a lot more pollution. But that's just it's it's part of the territory. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say that like my my stability, my emotional side, psychologically, my spiritual side, my physical side, I lost a lot of weight because I'm here. So I'm in a much better space now because of China. And um, that's those qualities are what I'll be looking for in future countries that I travel to as well.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I really just leave off with like one last question, you know, being an expat. And you know, you have traveled to various places you you told me about, you know, you went to Bulgaria, you did a certificate there. So what have been the struggles, but what have been the joys of being an expat? Because, you know, as my listeners know, you know, because of Janaya, like I moved abroad and yeah, I have had my own struggles, but definitely, you know, there've been some joys as well. So what have yours been Janaya?
1: I would not be financially where I am and um, emotionally, psychologically where I am, if it wasn't for China. So like, I can talk about all of the malarkey and the craziness, Mm -hmm. but China given me, the opportunity to bloom in ways that I would not have been able to if I were to have stayed where I've rooted in America, my my home or whatever that is. And so, as much as I like complain and such, like I am forever grateful for where I am now. When it comes to the joys, um, for me, like meeting my my goals and seeing how I've been able to become and who I've become, is the joy. I am now debt free. Like I've, I've paid off like $57,000 worth of students. My credit score is in the 800s. I just told people I would not have been able to do that here. I'm now saving up for my sabbatical. And then as soon as like I have my, my chunk of money, I'm out. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'll be working on my project that I told you guys about earlier. Also like I know who I am. I know my yeses. And I know my noes. I know my wants. I know what I hate. I know myself yeah. and I'm, I'm no longer apologize for those things. Like mm-hmm. I know that I am brainy and I don't have a lot of feelings. I know that I don't eat organs. I just don't eat them from animals. And so I can just be like, look, I don't eat hearts. So I need to eat the noodles mm-hmm. or, and that's just what it is um, mm-hmm. I know like my preferences and dating mm-hmm. um I can't date the way that I would prefer here because China just makes everything difficult and also just seeing the simplicity and the beauty of people around the world mm-hmm. I travel and I explore ethically and very like low to the ground so like you're not gonna see ever me at like five-star restaurants and like fancy things for like um you know, getting the social socialness off of Instagram and like all the colors. Like I don't travel like that. I mm-hmm. focus on making my life abroad approachable and possible for people who are watching. Mm-hmm. And so like, you'll see me at the grocery store buying noodles for 50 cents. And you're not going to see me at like the fancy places. I'll talk to you about like, you know there's rats in the trash can outside but like you just don't touch them you'll be fine I live in a tiny palace I uh, live under within my means I don't make a lot of money but I make enough to like pay off my student loans and do things like this the other joy that I have is like just with connection with people and places like every country that I go I walk for miles and so if I've been to um Italy, or if I, the Bulgaria, I've been to, I think, 31 countries now. I know those countries very well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know the vibe the feeling. I I can see the people. I can smell it. I can, I tried the local food. That's what I do. And so I now have a snapshot of places that folks may or may not ever see. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love to do is introduce those people in places to folks that may not be able to see them firsthand. Um, yeah. So that's what I love about being an expat and I want to be an expat forever and probably raise expat kids. Like this is, this is where I am. Mm -hmm.
0: I definitely loved what you said a moment ago that like, you know, you're rooted in America, but you bloom everywhere else. So it's like, you know, that's the roots, your heritage, your people are there. But then, you know, with the sense of blooming, it's like, that's where like you have opened up, you have become something really, you know, quite more beautiful than 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 you probably ever imagined like here you are a businesswoman a businesswoman right. in a country where you don't speak or understand the language like if that's not blooming I don't know what else possibly could be blooming because honestly that is the epitome of blooming um so I mean I'm pretty I, sure yeah, so I I'm I'm so you know I'm so excited that we had the opportunity to have this conversation. I'm so excited that like my listeners have been able to hear this, and and I'm so excited mm-hmm. for like what you're currently doing, what you've been able to do at here, and then really what you're going to continue doing wherever you transition to next so yeah yeah with that i'm gonna say goodbye to our listeners and goodbye to Janaea. i i mean obviously girl you know we we message constantly so it's not really goodbye so just like see you tomorrow um yeah, <laughs> yeah with that you know thank you everyone for tuning in to the are we Home Yet podcast a podcast where current expats talk about what it's like to live abroad the struggles the joys if they can make a home and if not you know what that home might look like somewhere else and you know this is also a podcast for future expats to gain inspiration encouragement to see like look there are ups there are downs but maybe you too can go and have that adventure and try something uh-huh. and bloom abroad as well so i'm taking that line from you girl yes, yes. <laughs> all right oh. so tune back in for the next episode goodbye everyone So, up next is Kale. Kale is a journalist from America. And although he's traveled to many different countries around the world, it's his time spent in China learning Mandarin which really made him want to get to know the country even better. And so that's what he's been doing, living here in China for the past few years and working for Chinese media agencies. So, tune in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe. And to stay updated, head over to AreWeHomeYetPodcast.com.
1: I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.